0: Welcome back to On the Casp, the podcast that analyzes the new forms of aggression facing liberal democracies, and as always, hears from the people at the forefront of countering that aggression. A special welcome to our new listeners. I'm your host Elizabeth Braugh, and I work on these issues as a fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. And heads up that there is a new book coming out about gray zone aggression and how to deter it. The book is called The Defender's Dilemma, and it's out in early October. And I'm the author. Now, this is a bonus episode of On the Casp, because as we record this, Russia and several other countries are conducting Zapad 2021, which is a massive exercise in Russia's West and in Belarus. Around 200,000 troops from the two countries and other countries, including India and Serbia, are participating. Russia's and Belarus's neighbors are unsurprisingly keeping a close eye on Zapad 2021, especially because Belarus has, as we all know, been engaging in grey zone aggression that uh, involves using migrants as a weapon uh, over the past few months. Now, I had the fortune to discuss uh, ZAPAD and and Belarus's grey zone aggression with Kusti Salm, who is, uh, as of May this year, Permanent Secretary at Estonia's Ministry of Defence, uh, before that, he was the director general of Estonia's Centre of Defence Investment, which is the the body that uh, is in charge of Estonia's defence acquisition. And he is still only thirty seven years old. I'm uh, I'm told, in fact, uh, I know for a fact. So uh, and already number two in Estonia's MOD. And uh, already uh, somebody with great experience in uh, defence issues. And I had uh, the fortune of recording the interview with him in person. So if if you happen to hear any background noise, that is London traffic. And yes, it's back to almost normal pre-COVID levels. As we record this, Zappa 2021 is taking place. Well, first of all, welcome.
1: Welcome, happy to be in London, <laughs> good that the traveling restrictions are calming down and you can you know, stroll the world again.
0: It feels like back to normal, but what's not normal is is uh, what Lukashenko has been up to in uh, President Lukashenko of, of Belarus, and what's also uh, not quite normal is, is about 2021, which is taking place as we speak. Uh, the last such exercise was in 2017, but the world was very different in 2017. What are your takeaways uh, so far? What are you most concerned about?
1: Well, clearly, one might say that you know, Zapad exercise is very normal. It's taking place after every four years as the other geographically located Russian exercises. Uh, but what increases our risk level is, um, is clearly what's going on during Zapat in the region. And what is going on is that uh, a lot of new units will be brought to our borders. Uh, And when I say our borders, then I think uh, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania and Poland. And uh, why I speak regional is that uh, the way we understand that the war theater works is clearly regional. It's highly unlikely that uh, Russia or Belarus will uh, wage a war just for one particular country. Mm -hmm. It will be a regional approach. Uh, and clearly the NATO's transfer is also regional, so it only makes sense to look look at the region as a whole. Um, so, new units pre- be- being brought in, new weapon systems being brought in, and the units that are already there in the Western Military District, around 200 people under arms, are doing things that they're normally not doing. The readiness level is. Are much much more higher, and also you know they are rehearsing, playing through things that are very very similar to uh, an actual war, um, and uh, you know it's it's not, not something new. It's it's a you know very old military strategy to uh, to calm the uh, adversary um, with uh, exercises, so the readiness levels and uh, whatever sensors are are more down to uh, make it uh, look more normal so this is one aspect of risk but i think this is something that can be contained quite easily uh, because it's uh, it's not the first time it's taking place uh we knew well four years in advance that it's it's going to take place so a lot of our assets has been stared toward it and i think our early warning is you know on a quite a good level so we are not anxious we are calmly controlling the situation.
0: Which uh, leads me to interrupt you to ask, uh, you say uh, the situation can be contained and, and uh, we are containing or calmly watching the situation. Who are you talking about there? Is it just Estonia or your?
1: Well, we are clearly um, on a daily basis coordinating with all the Baltic uh, allies, Poland, but also NATO is keeping a very close uh, watch on, on the events there and, and also our... Um, uh, allies uh, across the ocean. So I think on, from a military perspective, this is you know, quite well-contained situation. Clearly the risk is higher than usual Tuesday, um, but uh, the, uh, the uh, eyes are closely watching and the ears are closely listening. And all the rationale is, uh, uh, is uh, indicating that uh, there is no imminent threat for you know, a war against NATO.
0: Uh, that's very reassuring, uh, something that, that uh, I know the Russians uh, always say when, when uh, the NATO side, it, any given NATO country uh, warns of, of Russian activities uh, in, in connection with exercises, uh, the Russians say, well, you exercise too. What, what is different about this exercise compared to major NATO exercises?
1: Well, the main difference is that NATO has, I can't say never, did in, uh, during the Cold War, but uh, during the last 30 years, NATO has never conducted an exercise like this, on the same scale, with the same uh, uh, learning objectives uh, and, uh, and with the same level of execution, so it's clearly a different, it's clearly an offensive exercise uh, that during this scenario you know, foresees the attack against NATO, NATO never, or at least I haven't seen any exercises or even plans for exercises where NATO would cross the border of, of NATO. It's, NATO's thinking is clearly defensive. So I think there is a great difference. Uh, well, the other difference clearly is that uh, Russia, with a vast military that it has over the all um, the uh, domains of warfare, uh, is uh, under one chain of command which clearly makes the magnitude of all the movements and all the personnel and all the equipment in in a much different scale than it uh, would be individual NATO exercises that are taking place regionally or even on the, let's say, the regional command level.
0: That's a useful reminder that that, uh, there are around 200,000 troops participating in this exercise. It it is quite big, even compared to NATO's biggest exercises. So, uh, are you concerned at all that, that uh, there would be incidents uh, in this exercise similar to what happened in ZAPAD uh, 2017 when inadvertently or on purpose Russia knocked out in DPS GPS in, in Norway and Finland? Mm-hmm. Gray zone elements like that. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, if we take ZAPAD in isolation as it is just an exercise looking just on this, then... Clearly, there might be, you know, some information operations, some cyber activities that, uh, you know, will spill over from the scenario and you know, try to somehow uh, create the context. Um, however, you know, we feel that uh, the main risk multiplier is clearly what is going on uh, from Belarus with the um, with the directed hybrid attack against um, first Lithuania and now uh, it's also spilled over to Latvia and, um, and Poland. So, if we speak about grey zones, or if we speak about uh, you know, non nouns or we speak about uh, whatever escalation mechanisms where early warning is much lower than it usually is, and the you know, actual risk factor that comes together with SAPAD or even without, it doesn't actually matter because it's something that is taking place mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, same place and, uh, you know, zooming out, it also serves the same intent. So clearly the biggest risk is coming from, uh, uh, from the hybrid attack. And this is something that uh, makes us quite concerned.
0: Especially since in the gray zone, uh, the aggressor has more more. Uh, opportunities to innovate because in in the uh, in conventional warfare there are only so many tricks you can try and, and and the other side is quite prepared but in in the gray zone if if you don't mind being seen as a as a uh, an international pariah because you use migrants as as a as a weapon clearly you have many more opportunities so can you tell me or tell us uh what you've learned so far and 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 uh how Estonia is, is preparing based mm-hmm. on what you've seen mm-hmm. uh, happen to uh, Lithuania and as you, as you said, uh, on top of that Latvia and Poland?
1: Yeah, well, um, clearly the trickiest part or the hardest part is uh, you know, what we do with this understanding or what is just understanding what's going on is not enough. Clearly we need to articulate the sentence and activities what to, what to do against this. And, uh, you know, starting from the simplest stuff, or more elaborate, uh, the first thing is that we need to make sure that it's classified correctly. It's a hybrid attack facilitated by Lukashenko regime against the stability of Baltic states, particularly Lithuania. We need to be absolutely super clear about this. The migrants didn't get there. They didn't have a 40-year journey through desert to freedom. (laughs) They were brought there, to Minsk, from Middle Eastern countries, put to the coach and fetched to the border, and then pushed over border, with a very clear intent to destabilize uh, Lithuania and, you know, punish them uh, for uh, being supportive against the uh, Belarusian um, opposition and uh, more widely being the sort of one of the most outspoken. Western uh, countries for advocating for democracy in in Belarus. Um, So that's a very clear hybrid attack with a very, very clear intent. It isn't migration crisis. There aren't illegal migrants. They all have tourist visas. They all came there paying themselves. Mm -hmm. So the classification needs to be extremely clear. And this is where it all starts. And it's important clearly because uh, in the and this is something that makes the tactics chosen by Lukashenko very clever, uh, because migration crisis has been in Europe for home since fifteen sixteen for yeah. five six years. Everyone is you know getting exhausted about this. The magnitude of migrant size has, has over years been in millions. Um, so um, the assumption is that uh, just pushing few thousands on border won't you know, cross the threshold of the, or the pain level of, yeah. of the allies. Um, and this is the card that um, uh, that Lukashenko is playing. Uh, well, fortunately, I think we are in position to declare that, uh, you know, this assumption has proved to be wrong. Uh, the attribution and uh, identification of the crisis has been very quick, accurate, and also very strong by NATO, by EU. And also the uh,
0: the US. Yeah, and, and as you say, um, people could say, well, what's what's five six five six seven thousand mm-hmm. uh, migrants uh, crossing into the EU from uh, on the on the eastern flank, as it were, compared to hundred thousand, hundred fifty thousand, two hundred thousand during the refugee crisis. But still, it it is. Um, the fact that it's instrumentalized by another country, organized by another country, exactly. uh, with the purpose of destabilizing uh, one of our member states. Now, I know Estonia has been trying to help Lithuania, um, for example, by selling uh, or, or sending uh, barbed wire. What, what can you tell us about how, how Estonia has been
1: trying? Yeah, to well, useful? I think from the first moment, and it already came somewhere in the somewhere in the early July. Where the thing has had been going on for a month, but on a you know very much lower scale, where we realized that uh, okay, this is something that isn't usual anymore. Uh, this is something where um, the migrants have been instrumentalized, you know, you know, harnessed uh, for uh, you know destabilizing Lithuania, and our defense thinking has been uh, for years you know, very regional. So uh, we immediately, you know, said attack against Lithuania is basically attack against us. It's, you know, it's a grandiose, very patriotic-sounding uh, slogan, of course, but at the same time, it's also very pragmatically true, uh, because if we manage to block the problem in Lithuania, then the chances that it will spill over to Estonia, it's, um, it's much lower. So immediately we. Uh, we sent some material help. We sent them all together around 350 kilometers of barbed wire, which is good because the border is unmarked there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know you, you need to very quickly ramp up um, uh, you know a fence that will you know keep the migrants. Uh, what we also did we sent uh, three full-time, twenty-four-seven uh, UAV teams for uh, conducting the surveillance on on border. Uh, which makes us still the uh, the only the military force who uh, directly assisted uh, Lithuania. Very much appreciated oh. from Lithuanians. Uh, but I think even the most importantly, the regional uh, cohesion and, and the uh, strategic communication messages have been the uh, the uh, highest support. And I don't want to take you know any glory to Estonia here. It's something that has been um, that we have put together regionally, and that has worked quite le- quite well. And this is also one of the intents of Lukashenko. It's not only, um, you know, Lithuania he wants to attack. He clearly wants to attack the whole region to stir the instability, to, uh, you know, to push a, push a wedge against us, to, you know, make us, you know, dis- dispute uh, between each other and, uh, uh, and um, you know, isolate our own uh, uh, our uh, positions first among ourselves, but then in a wider perspective within the EU, for example, mm-hmm. marginalizing our activities, which is exactly the intent uh, of uh, the wider uh, Belarusian and Russian policy um, to you, uh, you know, be opportunistic. Yeah, and in a wider sense, you know, pull. And uh, the Eastern European countries closer to its uh, own uh, sphere of influence.
0: So, two things I want to, to um, uh, highlight. Uh, uh, well, several. You said several uh, things. I don't think are are that well known. But if we can start with uh, the the goal of Lukashenko, well, the apparent goal of Lukashenko to, to um, isolate. Uh, his uh, immediate neighbors and and it's it's easy to now that now that you highlight it it's easy to to see how that would be the the objective because if you are and actually lithuania you will have uh, highlighted for years the risk of, of uh, uh, conventional military aggression and and frankly m- some countries are a little bit tired of hearing about it now along comes this new form it's of aggression. <laughs> New form of aggression, and people say, Oh, now, now they are talking about this too. And so it's a sense, uh, it's it, it, in a sense a very clever way of, of isolating the Baltic states and, and Poland.
1: Yeah. Clearly, every crisis as we depict it in the 21st century is something that starts with some sort of hybrid warfare, something that uh, will be an uh, effective masquerade for first months or weeks. Uh, Do reveal your intent and uh, the preparation activities, and also do create a favorable context of some sort of uh, dispute situation that would serve as a you know rational argument when the conflict should uh, should take place. Um, So, um, but again, we need to be very clear that uh, we have been not very content after the Crimean War, where the the, uh, the word um, hybrid warfare was created because it's clearly nothing new. It has been something that has been in place for thousands of years. Yeah. Every single conflict in the world has started with some, some sort of ambiguous activities. When we, again, take the isolated individual events, then as in any situation in in the world, if you look at them in in isolation, then everything might make sense. Uh, Every, you know...
0: If if it doesn't doesn't make sense, it may seem uh, manageable.
1: Yeah, exactly. But if we zoom out and look that, uh, you know, so many different events are taking place in the same time, same place, serving the same purpose, uh, that we have all agreed that, uh, you know, the intent of Belarus and well, clearly Russia is to uh, radiate out the destabilization in the region. Then um, all ties that uh, roll into place indicate that uh, it is mathematically very, very unlikely that uh, these things take place into uh, take place without any, you know, pre-rehearsed intent. Yeah, uh, and this is something that uh, needs to push, put us uh, worry, very, aware. I would actually. Your question was about uh, isolation. Uh, I'm not actually so much worried about this. The NATO and the EU has demonstrated a very good level, you know, unity here, solidarity. There aren't really any issues, uh, and I think our response in the uh, in the past months have been quite successful. First of all, all the efforts on identification, uh, identifying the crisis and attributing Lukashenko as the the main facilitator. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Also, the international actions uh, for seizing the flights from Middle East to Minsk, that clearly uh, put the block for the immigration flow. Um,
0: And And, and, uh, yeah, what you're referring to there is the EU putting pressure on on, on, on the Iraqi government. to and the
1: US as well. Also, Lithuanian government, Latvian government and Polish government also um, have adopted this so-called pushback um, tactics on border. That means that you can uh, usher back all the um, uh, illegal immigrants on illegal border crossing and guide them to the actual border crossing points that uh, dramatically, clearly decreases the inflow of migrants. This is something that has been disputed but it's a sort of well-established tactics now. But what happened with this is uh, that we all assume that when Lukashenko started this campaign at the beginning of June, then clearly he had some sort of intent. Although, you know, people might call him dictator and lunatic or whatever, uh, there is still a, you know, reason to think that... Uh, there is a very linear rationale behind mm-hmm. every action that they make. Uh, so it's fair to assume that there was some sort of intent that he wanted to achieve, and I think we have some sort of conclusion that the intent was to destabilize Lithuania, make them, you know, forego their uh, positions on uh, supporting the opposition, supporting, advocating for uh, sanctions, and all this. Um, Now, three months later, after all this consolidation of international positions, um, the immigration flow has been stopped. Uh, Okay, there are several thousand who came in, but this is manageable. Um, But now if we test this reality against the intent that Lukashenko, you know, at the first place had, so it starts to make no sense because the intent hasn't been achieved by... Any means. And now we can ask us a second question. Is it reasonable to assume that if there is a dictator like Lukashenko, he has an intent, he is not able to achieve this, that he will somehow make a step back or uh, forfeit or you know, leave his positions? No, the rationale would, would, would say that in order to achieve its intent, he needs to escalate
0: Exactly. Uh,
1: doing something that uh, in our minds would uh, would be categorized as absolutely irrational, and this is where the Zapot that is you know peaking in this week, uh, all the assets, uh, all the weapon systems that have been brought into Belarus, uh, all the information operations that have been launched you know, in the vicinity of this time uh, are peaking, um, and clearly the also. Uh, the trend lines influencing the migrants and the climate and all this um, are um, peaking. So clearly the risk picture is uh, getting worse, you know, threefold, fourfold, tenfold. Well, very difficult to clearly mathematically um, to calculate, but it's clearly, uh, I, I think I would, be accurate if I would say that this is the most serious security situation in Baltic States in the last 30 years. Um, so um, because it is so
0: unpredictable.
1: Exactly. Early warning is uh, much lower. Uh, the uh, uh, crossing the threshold from hybrid to you know, security military or whatever, whatever the next uh, threshold is is uh, very ambiguous there is no clear line it's it's the gray zone as you call it a uh, gray zone that can last for weeks before anyone really understands. Um, and it's it's clearly also an institutional gray zone when it uh, comes to countering the crisis which is clearly the hardest question that we are posing to ourselves as well it's difficult to you know, deter hybrid prices because just of the 360 degrees nature of this um so this is something that uh, you know makes the situation so unpredictable and well clearly when the risk uh, level increases the anxiety also gets uh, gets a bit bit, uh, bit higher
0: and if uh, i can finish on on uh, the the uh, the point of of uh, early warning yeah. uh, which is really our best bet because it's it's difficult to to do much once something is once once this gray zone aggression, whatever the form may be once it's happening so um i I realize uh drones may not be the answer to everything but in in the case of of migrants uh what Estonia has done is is send uh several drone teams as you said um to essentially spot movements uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and help uh, the, the Latvians, Lithuanians and Poles prepare I think specifically the, the Lithuanians um, are the, those teams still there and, and how has that uh, assistance gone?
1: Yeah they are still there, they are very much valued they have uh, you brought in the operational tactical value that uh, that they were meant to bring but uh, again these are or well, not even preventive measures. there are measures to get the situation awareness in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, the much more difficult measures are how to contain this and how to you know, turn this crisis around. Uh, and for this, um, the uh, early and advanced planning is something that is uh, the, the most important thing to create uh, some sort of outlook to plan against. Um, and uh, for this, the whole Baltic states, uh, Poland, and also NATO, has uh, dramatically increased its uh, intelligence collection capabilities, um, and uh, we have scanned through all sort of uh, different uh, you know, potential escalation scenarios. Some of them very, very unlikely, but then again, something that are you know more likely. Um, also. Again, a very important thing that is uh, often dismissed, uh, but we need to make the public attribution very clear. Um, uh, When we speak about Lukashenko regime, then we speak about actual people. We speak about actual sort of tourist bureaus. Um, We speak about a clear evidence of uh, a Belarusian border guard escorting migrants over the border. And we need to make it very, very clear. because this is something that uh, you know keeps the attention on the solution, uh, makes the, all the counterarguments to go away. That uh, want to depict this crisis as some sort of usual immigration crisis. Um, also, uh, very important that uh, we keep the international responses ready. NATO has, you know, showed themselves in, uh, in a very good. Um, flavor um, by sending the uh, counter cyber hybrid, hybrid teams that I think was the first time when this tool was used. So now, 10 experts all over the Alliance are in uh, in the Lithuania uh, trying to help the Lithuanian government. But even there, I would say that the fact that this team is helping uh, Lithuanian government is, of course, well deserved and very important, and all this. But the most important fact is that this indicates the consolidated uh, action and support by the Alliance. Uh, Alliance is there, Alliance is taking it uh, seriously, and uh, Alliance is sort of creating a decision-making chain for taking further actions if needed. So this is, I think, the most uh, important element for for containing the crisis into escalating into some sort of more serious scenarios.
0: And it stands to reason that if if uh, the Belarusian border guards, in this case, if they knew that they personally would uh, would face consequences mm-hmm. for engaging in in, exactly. in this illegal behavior, they would think twice, yes, of course, there are orders uh, that they are following from from mm-hmm. uh, their chain of command, but nevertheless, I think they would think twice about carrying out those illegal exactly. orders
1: if they knew that they would face. And with this you take away the main argument of fiery warfare. If everyone knows that you did it, that you prepared it and you were there, then the whole argument of, of uh, hybrid of doing it somehow
0: um,
1: under the radar, the under the cover, it goes away. Yeah, It's a clear attribution and it, if it, uh, it takes place in real time, then the hybrid tool as such is useless.
0: Yeah. That's a positive note to, yeah. to end on. Thank you very much for joining us. As always, please feel free to subscribe on Apple and Spotify and to give us a good rating as well. Many thanks as ever to our producers Olivia Leslie and Leila Hernandez. We'll be back very soon with another episode and another guest who is doing pioneering work. See you on the cusp.